1: I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway When
2: we first meet Moses, we meet a brother that was slated to be second in command to Pharaoh So he had a lot of ego going on at that time But God had allowed the grace of his identity to emerge And he came to realize he was more of a Hebrew than he was in Egyptian. That's what it means to be saved When you're saved, you come to realize that you're more of a spiritual person than you are a carnal person. Did that make some
0: sense?
1: Hey there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com. Today, Pastor Jesse will continue our study, Arise, Move, and Go, with a message he is calling, Ye Have Need of Patience. We're in the book of Numbers, chapter 11. And this is an important scripture because it shows that man who is as faithful, as godly as Moses can still fall into sin. With more... Here's Pastor Jesse Stan
2: You will turn back in your Bibles, whatever form of God's word you have, to the book of Numbers, chapter 11, we'll be there briefly. We are picking up from our reflections last week, the subtitle being, You Have Need of Patience, You Have Need of Endurance, You Have Need of Being Disciplined and uh, Persuaded that... God is control, in control. We sang that last hymn, and uh, sometimes the melody of a hymn can evade you in terms of the lyrics and theology behind it, but God leads his dear ones alone. We believe that, don't we? Problem is, every now and then, as is the case with our text, and I'm hoping to elucidate that a bit more today, we are more frequently inclined to think we know the way ourselves— And don't mind detaching ourselves, extricating ourselves, taking our hands out of God's hand and leading our own selves. And that is something we have to watch out for. It's a temptation every day of your life. Uh, And the uh, Hebrew people are going to teach us some lessons on that continually. I am picking up uh, with the challenge that Moses had. And as we look at that a little more deeply and then move into God's response to him today, I want you to think of three things. These are basic hermeneutical tools that'll keep you from misabusing God's word. God's word is not about you, is not about me, it's to us, but it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about a nation, it's not about an ethnic group, it's about Christ. And when you fail to get that, you will always misinterpret the scriptures. So, there are three fundamental things you want to do every time you're sitting under the Word of God. You want to understand what it is teaching historically. You want to understand what it is telling you and me to do by way of application. And thirdly, you want to know to whom it is pointing by way of redemptive prophecy. You really want to have the mindset of the Ethiopian eunuch who didn't mind Philip getting up in his escalade as he was making his way back to Ethiopia. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I accept someone teach me? That's called humility. And the Ethiopian asked Philip this question, of whom is the prophet speaking? Is he speaking of himself or is he speaking of another? You and I should always know that from generation, or rather from Genesis to Revelation, God through the prophets is speaking to another. He's speaking to that other of whom the scripture said should come as Yahweh's visible representation. His name is Jesus, the Christ. And Moses will speak to us today, not only of the dilemma of human beings by fallen nature, but he will speak to us today today of the great reality of which he represented, pointing to the ultimate Moses, that is Jesus the Christ. So let's work with the tension of the historical narrative and its application to us. Historically, it is teaching us, historically, it is teaching us how hard it is for God's people to hold on to God's hand and let him lead them through the wilderness a way they have never been before. This is what the text is plainly teaching us. And we'll bump up against this in a very radical way in two chapters when they're going to have to hang out in the wilderness for another 38 years. And they didn't have to. They could have easily entered into their promise if they had simply held God's hand. A lot of times we're going to wander in circles in the wilderness where there is no direction until we say, Lord, direct my steps. Lead me in the path of righteousness for your namesake. I'm going to admonish you that way because, again, the beauty of the hymn is that we'll get there, but the reality is that sheep are not only dumb, but they're rebellious. And often the shepherd has to go catch up with his wandering wayward sheep because they love getting lost. I think sometimes some sheep like to get lost so that Jesus can save them over and over and over again. This is what I would call a dysfunctional relationship with the Lord Jesus. Ah, You can test him if you want to, but he'll leave you out in that wilderness long enough for you to get cold and scared. And he'll let all of the predators run up on you and nibble at your feet and hands just to let you know you shall not tempt the Lord your God. But here in our text, I want us to quickly dive into what we should always do, as the New Testament writer said, those things that were written aforetime, Romans 14. Five, were written for our learning that we through patience and consolation of the scriptures might have hope. So every time you come to church, you should learn something. God speak to me. It is also written in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which is where we're going to go in the last portion of our text. These things were written to the intent that you and I should not engage in the same evil things that they did. So your Bible is written for you to learn and your Bible is written for you to avoid doing what they did. And that's what we're dealing with now today. We're dealing with something for which you and I can be very empathetic. We're dealing with a man who has just discovered that he doesn't not only have the natural personal qualities to lead 1.3 million people from Egypt to the promised land. He doesn't have that. What a great discovery when you and I come to discover that we're not all that. He doesn't have the ability in himself. He doesn't have the qualities in himself. He doesn't have the capacity within himself. And his uncle, his father-in-law, Jethro, let him know that back in Genesis 18. Did he not, son, look, you can't do this long. I know it makes you feel good. The problem is, and I'm going to make application as we go, because you know that's what I do. The problem is, is that Israel wanted to create a hierarchy and, and have what we would have as a kind of human leader, human savior like Pharaoh. When all God was intending to do was lead them as their king and use Moses as his representative. Does that make some sense? But what they really wanted was a God that they could see, feel, touch, and handle to lead them where they wanted to go. And I'm here to tell you that's much of Christianity today. That's much much of Western Christianity today. They want a material God to take them where they want to go rather than going where God is calling them to go now. Whenever people set you up like that and you and I have just a small measure of ego willing to allow people to platform us, don't think you don't. You do. You will let people platform you for five minutes. Some of you for longer than that. You feel like you're here for that reason that you need to shine. You need to be elevated. You need to be lifted up. And all of us are tempted that way if it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd snatch Jesus off the throne and sit on it ourselves. This is called the temptation of sin. This is what our first parents did. And I'm here to tell you that you want to you empathize and understand the struggle of Moses. You want to understand it. You want to understand it because Moses' struggle is your struggle. See, the same people that will lift you up and make you feel like you're all that will be the very people that will let you down and the next thing you know, you're mad at them. But you really should be mad at yourself because you let them lift you up and make you something that you're not. Am I making some sense? All right, so let's go in on and work with this because I love me some Moses. The Bible tells me he's the meekest man in all the earth beside Jesus. Now what makes him meek is that once he gets into trouble, he doesn't do like most of us do put on fig leaves and blame somebody else. That's what my nation is doing right now. Telling us to blame somebody else for our problems here. I must let you know, anytime you sit around simply blaming someone else for your problems, you'll never get out of the wilderness. What Moses teaches me is that he had come to discover that he was inadvertently bearing way too much weight Now, God had put it on him on purpose. As I told you guys before, whenever you're in a position of mediation, when you're in a position of interceding or intervening, and that's what it means to be a parent. That is what it means to be a superior. That is what it means to be in a position where people are depending upon you. When they're depending upon you, you bear the weight of those people's responsibility on your shoulders. So I'm talking to moms. I'm talking to dads. I'm talking to people that are in positions of authority right now. You have a sense that you are responsible for the environment of the domain that you have been obligated to. Does that make some sense? However, what you can do is make the mistake that Moses is making and forget that God is actually the one that holds you up. And Moses came to understand that only after 14 months in the wilderness, Now, brother Moses is a human being just like you and me. And when we first meet Moses, we meet a brother that was slated to be second in command to Pharaoh. So he had a lot of ego going on at that time. But God had allowed the grace of his identity to emerge. And he came to realize he was more of a Hebrew than he was an Egyptian. That's what it means to be saved. When you're saved, you come to realize that you're more of a spiritual person than you are a carnal person. Did that make some sense? Now, we still got a ton of Egyptian in us. I see it all over your bodies. a bunch of my saints are running around with Egyptian tattoos all over the place. I love you. I get it. I really do. You're still struggling with your Egyptology. I get it. But you're called to actually walk in a higher new man capacity, which cannot be seen with the naked eye. That new man must be comprehended by your character, by your calling, and by your relationship with God, not by tattoos on your body. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so very much, we, 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 we get you. You, you, you. Somebody lied to you about what you do with your body, and you, you turned into a human totem pole. I get that. That's what Egyptians do. That's what we do. Okay? And so you still say by grace, I, we get it, and you're going to have to explain them tattoos. And it's okay if you put some of the Christian ones on because you got Christians doing that hybrid stuff right now as well. Um, But God had told Israel, don't you play around with those things because I want people to know you for who you are in me. So Moses is struggling because Moses is discovering that the people that he is leading doesn't know God. And on this day, Moses was provoked to evil. Point number one. They provoked Moses to evil. Now, you have never been provoked to evil. You don't know nothing about being mad at nobody for no reason. You don't even understand what all this is about with Moses. Moses, you're supposed to be more graced than that. But y'all have to remember, Moses killed a brother. (laughs) He had to do 40 years in organic prison for anger. And uh, here he is. Right back at square one. Have you ever been that way? Have you ever been uh, in a lengthy journey with God, really enjoying your newness of life, that spiritual dynamic, and then come to discover you still got quite a bit of that old fella that you had to really overcome still lingering in the chambers. He now, that old fella wants to now serve God. Y'all get that in a moment. That old fella wants to serve God now. He wants to serve God. And the text tells us in Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. We recognize that, don't we? God cannot countenance evil. God does not rejoice in iniquity. God will punish all forms of disobedience. But the last line said Moses also was what? And I began to work with you on how to properly understand that last week. The English translators did not do justice to the meaning of that Hebrew term. That Hebrew term literally means to do evil, to do evil. I share with you in Genesis six, verse five, concerning the children of men that God looked upon the sons of men on the earth and saw that the imagination of their hearts were only evil continually. Do you guys see the language? Only evil continually. And God was doing an x-ray of the totality of the society in Noah's day where they were given over to all kinds of base evil. Now, God said this would happen when we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and what? So now we know evil, don't we? And Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 15, out of the heart proceeds all manner of what? Evil, evil thoughts adulteries, fornications, idolatries, blasphemies, anger, and all of that proceeds from our heart. You and I are just like Moses, are we not? Only on this day, Moses let this evil prevail. He let it prevail. And what I appreciate about Moses is, is that he allowed it to prevail, but he did something that most of us don't do. What Moses did was the noble act of self-regulation. The noble act of self-discipline, the noble act of self-reflection, a lot of times when you and I emote, we want to assert that our emotion, our emoting, our expressing outwardly, emotion means to move outwardly, we want to assert that why I am moving this way is because of somebody else. We love to do that, but the reality is, is most times, please hear me, most times, People can do wrong. That's their fault. They need to be dealt with that. But you're responsible for how you deal with it. Did y'all hear what I stated? People can be evil. They can be wicked. They can be vile. They can be manipulative. And you and I have to ask, why why are we hanging around all those snakes? Because that's what snakes do. But when they bite you, you're ready to bite back. That means you're a snake just like them. And what I'm getting at is that we need to work through something that I don't think Americans do well at all. This is why we're buying into this foolish woke doctrine and falling apart because we think we can solve our problems by blaming somebody else 400 years ago for our present predicament. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Right, so here's what I want you to capture. Here's what I want, to ca- want you to capture. If you're gonna help somebody, If you're going to help anybody, you got to get right with God yourself. If you're going to help, if you, if you collectively with the plane are going down because the pilots have been compromised, you got to put your oxygen masks on first, and make sure you got enough of the Holy Ghost in you, and then go around helping other people as you prepare to exit that crashing plane. And so what Moses has done was capture the reality that what was going on inside of him was about him, not about them. And notice how he uses this. Again, this terminology is a a very strong terminology, uh, piece of language. Notice how Moses deal with this. This is over in verse 11. Look at verse 11 now. He says, and Moses said unto the Lord, wherefore have you afflicted your servant, referring to himself? And wherefore have I not found favor in your sight, referring to himself? that you should lay the burden of all this people upon me. So now here's what Moses is doing. And I shared this with you in our last outline. Moses has allowed the evil and the wickedness and the complaining and the murmuring of the people to get to him. Now, you and I are are human beings and we're very, um, we're very porous. You and I can't bear things long without it pouring into our character. And so over time, Moses let it seep into his mind and seep into his heart. And now he's doing something that's going to help you and I understand the principle of application around the nature of the gospel, because Moses is a mediator. He's like a priest. You know, he's been running up to God and talking to God on the behalf of the people. He's been running down from God and talking to the people on the behalf of God. He's both a priest and a prophet, which all of us are called to be. Didn't I tell you that your role as a child of God is both prophetic and what it's both priestly and what sometimes you're speaking for God to men and other times you're speaking to God for men. And Moses now is wrestling because you know what he has done? He has moved to the side of actually speaking for God as a prophet against his own people. Did that make some sense? Now he's ready to side with God in the destruction of his own people. This here is something that Moses caught and Moses recognizes that he needs to avoid complicity in the impulse to harm others in the name of righteousness. He needs to avoid the impulse of complicity to harm others in the name of righteousness. For those of you who know the gospel, I'm getting ready to help you. The gospel is very clear. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's only one human being on the planet that ever passed the test and he's back in glory now. And his righteousness, you and I need. But every time you and I exercise our own righteousness, we're going to get in trouble. Because our own righteousness never is on the side of God against us. It's always on the side of God for us so that now we want to implement law to punish everybody else for what we think they did wrong. Am I making some sense? Now, Moses in your Bible is a great type of the law. Y'all know that he's the lawgiver. Jesus said, you guys have Moses. That's what we call an adumbration to the law. That's a nomenclature that covers the law. John said it in John chapter 117. Moses brought you the what? But grace and truth comes through Jesus. So we teach that Moses is a type of the law. He is because God gave the law by legislation through him. God told Moses to execute that law. That law was designed to bring Israel into the promised land. You and I learned that there is a righteousness in the law, have we not? But something you are learning through the personality of Moses around the law, and that's this, Moses is starting now to, he's starting now to demonstrate what it means to be a self-righteous judge based on law apart from grace. See, Romans chapter 4, verse 15 teaches us, that the role of the law works wrath. He teaches us this, that if you're going to be a lawyer, if you're going to be somebody that constantly wants to bring people under judgment, you're going to become a Pharisee. And when you're a Pharisee, you're going to be imp- implementing the law only to punish people that you find guilty of that law and somehow excuse yourselves. Am I making some sense? This is why Jesus said, he that is without sin, let him do what? Cast the first stone. So here Moses is struggling with an internal dynamic to want he wants the very people that God is leading him to lead them to the promised land to go to hell. Now, again, I know these kind of things don't rest in your bosom. You've never said in your heart to hell with him or to hell with not nah, y'all. Y'all good Christian folk, good Christian folk. It never has emerged in your heart to do that. But, but Moses is struggling with that. Listen, Brother Herman, no, Moses caught it. See, the average Christian wants to vent it. They, they, they want somebody to know how holy they are in their holy indignation against somebody else. This is dangerous in the home. This is dangerous in the home. This is dangerous in the home. Mom and daddy can teach their kids to be self-righteous by how they are with each other. See, once you start slinging the sword around, everybody can find a sword. The children can find swords against the parents. And the parents can find, now everybody in the house is jabbing each other, fighting. (laughs) Now the house is supposed to be the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. But I walk by your house, you're a Christian. I'm walking by your house and I'm seeing kids flying over with Superman punches at dad. And y'all supposed to be enjoying the grace of God. What you have done is lost your mind.
1: Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-bible.com is our website. Again, that's grace-bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today. This program is listener supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway.